Hi there! Welcome back to First Chapter Fridays with ACL. If you're a first-time listener, First Chapter Fridays is a new podcast from the Augusta County Library, during which each Friday, one of the Augusta County librarians will read the first chapter of a favorite book in different genres and age ranges, including middle grade books for ages 8 to 12, YA books for teens, and fiction and nonfiction for adults. These might be titles you haven't had the chance to discover yet, and all of the titles we read will be available through your local public libraries. This week's first chapter is Kill Creek by Scott Thomas, a gothic haunted house novel with a literary twist, perfect for Halloween and not for the faint of heart. At the end of a dark prairie road, nearly forgotten in the Kansas countryside, is the Finch House. For years, it has remained empty, overgrown, and abandoned. Soon, the door will be opened for the first time in decades. But something is waiting, lurking in the shadows, anxious to meet its new guests. When best-selling horror author Sam McGarver is invited to spend Halloween night in one of the country's most infamous haunted houses, he reluctantly agrees. At least he won't be alone. Joining him are three other masters of the macabre, writers who have helped shape modern horror. But what begins as a simple publicity stunt will become a fight for survival. The entity they have awakened will follow them, torment them, threatening to make them a part of the bloody legacy of Kill Creek. For fans of Peter Straub, Stephen King, Mira Grant, Jonathan Jans, Joe Hill, and Shirley Jackson, Kill Creek is an atmospheric, creepy, and suspenseful. Featuring paranormal phenomena, tragic circumstances, and a serious don't-go-in-there vibe, Kill Creek is definitely a book to read with the lights on. Prologue. No house is born bad. Most are thought of fondly, even lovingly. In the beginning, the house on Kill Creek was no exception. The house was made from nothing more fantastic than wood and nails, mortar and stone. It was not built on unholy ground. It was not home to a witch or a warlock. In 1859, a solitary man constructed it with his own two hands and the occasional help from friends in the nearby settlement of Lawrence, Kansas. For a few good years, the many rooms within the grand house were filled with a passionate love, albeit one shared in secret, a whisper between two hearts. But as with most places rumored to be haunted, a tragedy befell the house on Kill Creek. The man who built it was murdered, mere feet from the woman he loved. His outstretched hands attempted to span that mockingly short distance between them, to touch her dark skin, to caress her hair, his mind insisting that if he could just hold her, they could both be saved that if he could just wish hard enough, they could still be together. They were not saved. His love's body was taken from him beside his own and hung from the only tree in the front yard, a gnarled beech. She was already dead, and yet they strung her up in one final insult. The bodies became as cool as the steamy August night would allow, the silence of the house and grounds lying over them like a death shroud. They would remain undisturbed for several weeks, forgotten as the town of Lawrence endured its own tragedy. As dusk fell, the horizon to the southwest flickered with the orange glow of flame. Lawrence was burning. A house stained by spilled blood cannot escape the harsh sentence passed by rumor. The townspeople, traveling the quiet dirt path to Kansas City, began to speak of the house as if it were alive. How badly they felt for the poor, sad place orphaned as so many children had been during the bloody border battles preceding the Civil War. It was impossible to say what happened within that empty house on long, dark winter nights, 
when the wind cut through the barren forest to rattle its window panes. There was just something about the place that inspired travelers to quicken their pace as they passed Kill Creek Road. Because of its size and grand architecture, the house did not remain empty forever. A few tried to call it home, yet no one felt completely welcome in the house, and most moved out within a year. They could not explain why they were compelled to abandon it. It was as if the walls refused to absorb their warmth. Even in the middle of summer, the temperature dropped a good ten degrees as one passed over the threshold. It had become a bad place, a thing to be feared. In the late 1920s, Kansas Highway 10 was built, linking Kansas City and Lawrence. By the 1970s, the modest paved road had been expanded to a four-lane highway. To someone speeding by at 55 miles per hour, the exit to Kill Creek Road was easy to miss, as was the sign that marked the creek itself. As life raced forward and simple times grew ever more hectic, the house on Kill Creek became just another empty farmhouse, left for the prairie to reclaim. Even the creek that had once fed so greedily from the Kansas River began to dry up, the sun baking its bed until it cracked like old flesh. The closest neighbors still shared stories about the strange things they'd witnessed over time. Lights passing in the windows, pounding on the doors, whispers in the darkness. But the house and its bloody history had been reduced to nothing more than a tall tale that parents told their children as they tucked them into bed. Most did not believe the stories. They were simply told to keep the children safe to warn them of the dangers of exploring the dilapidated structure. The house must have been lonely then, the passion that had built it lost, pulled down into the earth like morning fog. In 1975, the Finch sisters, Rachel and Rebecca, bought the estate from the county, which had owned it since the last occupant abandoned it in the spring of 1961. The Finch sisters were not concerned about the house's dark history. They were 68-year-old identical twins, and they had seen and endured much worse than a few bumps in the night, especially Rebecca, who was confined to a wheelchair, the victim of a tragic accident of which neither woman spoke. When the Finches hired local hands to help them refurbish the once grand mansion, many welcomed their arrival, thinking the sisters would finally give the house the care and attention its original owner had intended. The Lawrence Journal World and the Kansas City Star both ran articles about the Finch sisters' arrival. Kill Creek Mansion, finally a home, announced one paper. Twin sisters resurrect haunted house, proclaimed the other. The Finch sisters did not live up to these expectations. They were, as people in the region were wont to call them, odd birds. The Finches rarely spoke to the carpenters working on the house, and once moved in, they almost never stepped foot outside. If one of them could be regarded as friendly, it was Rachel, with her long, flowing black hair, who always paid the workers promptly and fairly. Rebecca, hair pulled painfully tight in a bun, was almost never seen, choosing to stay behind the closed door of the third floor's only bedroom. An elevator was one of the first additions, allowing wheelchair-bound Rebecca to roam freely throughout the spacious house. Yet she was never about for long, always returning to that one room, a single, two-foot-wide window providing her only view of the outside world. Once, a plumber inspecting the pipes asked why Rachel... Once, a plumber inspecting the pipes asked Rachel why her sister did not come downstairs more often. Must get awfully lonely up there, he said. Without missing a beat, Rachel turned to the man, gave the closest approximation of a smile she could muster, and replied, She has all the company she needs. Two years later, Rebecca Finch was dead. According to the coroner, her heart had simply given out. 
Rachel continued to live in the house on Kill Creek, refusing visitors, even those who came to express their condolences for her sister's passing. No one except Rachel Finch walked the house of that house. No one except Rachel Finch walked the halls of that house for nearly five years. No living being, that is. So it came as a surprise when, in 1982, Rachel granted an interview to world-renowned parapsychologist and author Dr. Malcolm Adudel. Although most of the scientific community regarded him as a fraud, Dr. Adudel's books based on his adventures into the paranormal were devoured by the public desperate to believe. Only Rachel Finch and Dr. Adudel witnessed the occurrences during his weekend visit to that house. The resulting book, Phantoms of the Prairie, a true story of supernatural terror, brought the house on Kill Creek to national attention. While critics and skeptics discounted the book as pure fiction, eager readers kept Phantoms of the Prairie on the bestseller list for an astounding 36 weeks. The story Dr. Adudel wove was short on details and long on atmosphere, but for those seeking proof of the existence of ghosts, the book was all they needed. The house on Kill Creek was officially crowned a doorway to the other side. It was a house of nightmares. More importantly, it was once again known by name. Rachel Finch died in 1998. She was 91 years old. Just like the man who'd built her beloved mansion, Rachel's body was not discovered until several weeks after her death. Teenagers from suburban Kansas City had, on a dare, crossed the weathered bridge spanning the dry, dusty ravine that once was Kill Creek. They made it a hundred feet from the front porch before coming to a sudden stop. There, swinging slowly in the beech tree, from the very branch that had once supported the dead, slack weight of the original owner's forbidden love, was Rachel Finch. An amateurish knot dug into the stretched, rotting flesh beneath her chin. Her thin, black hair fluttered softly in the breeze, and then settled upon her shoulders. As the onlookers tried to make sense of this sight, the rope creaked, and Rachel's body spun around to face them. A beetle crawled happily in one of the empty sockets that had housed her gray eyes. Many speculated as to what drove the old woman to hang herself. Some assumed it was sheer loneliness. The loss of her sister had become too much to bear. Others suggested that it was the house. The house had driven her to do it, although no one could say exactly why. And then there were the few, those who took morbid glee in tales of tragedy, who whispered in slow, deliberate voices that Rachel had not killed herself at all. She was dragged out of the house and hung from that branch against her will. Someone, or something, had done that to her. It was a reminder that the house was best left alone. After Rachel's death, all of the Finch sisters' belongings were left in the house, as stipulated in Rachel's will, including one would presume, the furniture in the third-floor bedroom. No one knew for sure what that room held. Its entrance had been sealed shut, the staircase now ending in a wall of brick as if no third floor had ever existed. Word spread once more that something was very, very wrong with the house on Kill Creek. Rachel Finch's death was just another chapter in its dark legacy. Eventually, the house and lot became the property of Douglas County, and despite being on the market once more, no one dared move into the infamous structure. It still attracted its fair share of curiosity seekers, a constant source of busy work for the sheriff's department who routinely patrolled the area. In 2008, a chain-link fence was erected around the grounds to keep out trespassers. The owners of the local business that donated the time and equipment for the job simply said they slept easier knowing that they had helped discourage others from approaching that house. They even threw in a coil of razor wire at the top of the fence for good measure. So the house fell silent once more. 
the yard overgrown with knee-high tall grass and clinging ivy. The house on Kill Creek still stands, empty, quiet, but not forgotten, not entirely. Rumors are its life, stories its breath. If you'd like to find out what happens next, Kill Creek is available in print at both the Middlebrook and Fishersville libraries. If you like Kill Creek, Scott Thomas's latest novel, Violet, is available at Fishersville, Churchville, and Waynesboro. Next week, we'll premiere the classic of true crime, The Devil in the White City, Murder, Magic, and Madness at the Fair that Changed America by Eric Larson. Devil in the White City chronicles the construction and events surrounding the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago and the cunning serial killer that used the fair to lure dozens to their deaths. This episode of First Chapter Fridays was read by Churchville Library Branch Manager Allie McHugh. Kill Creek was written by Scott Thomas and published by Ink Shares Incorporated. Thanks for tuning into First Chapter Fridays with ACL. We'll see you next week.